Oh, hello, you creaking ditch pigeons. Welcome to episode 41 of the Blind Boy podcast. Can you believe it? My vape is acting the fucking prick. The heat filament is all bubbly. Listen. Hear that crackling sound. <laughs> that means, yeah, the, the heat is gone. And it's bubbling the vape fluid as like hot rocks into my lips. It's quite unpleasant. But fuck it, that's no reason that that should uh, interfere with your podcast hug, you delicious boys and girls. So we'll start this podcast, Podcast 41, with a poem. A poem that was sent in by early 2000s heartthrob Chad Michael Murray. So I'm going to read out the poem that Chad has sent. Place the money in the punnet. You're going to sell me that dog. Crimson bin bags rinsed in a dismal hurry. I stare at myself in the mirror of a Texaco toilet and wash away my mistakes. He should have sold me that dog. He should have seen that I had this hammer. The security camera would have seen what happened. Never again would I smell Declan's dew on a morning leaf. Nor rollerblade through a bent car park. No more glistening Pennsylvanian butts. Tonight I'm going to the witch's prison. So that was that was the witch's prison by Chad Michael Murray. I hope your career's doing alright man. You know I hope you're holding it down. Having a good time. Thanks for listening to the podcast and sending that in. So we'd good crack last week. I got a great response off you. Um... Last week's podcast, it was fucking, yeah, last week's podcast was about bizarre stories that my dad told me, but what I said on Twitter, actually last week's podcast inadvertently followed the structure of a terrible Edinburgh comedy show that is guaranteed to win an award, and there's a trend in in the Edinburgh Comedy Festival that if, if you want to win an award at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival... Write a a stand-up that involves the death of a parent. No, 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 no. You write a stand-up that has funny stories and then ends with the death of a parent. And then you win an award in Edinburgh, apparently. And last week's podcast inadvertently followed that format. But I got a lot of uh, mails off of you from people who... The people who were grieving for someone in their lives, whether it be a parent or a family member or even a pet, and a lot of people took um, kind of solace from some of the shit I was saying around grief. Do you know, I dipped into grief psychology, specifically around um, a thing known as rippling, and I'm just really glad that because I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking there was people that could take something from it, but a lot of you were like, "Fuck it, that." Uh, that cleared up a lot of shit for me or helped me to explore feelings that I was having barriers with. So, fucking class if that did that for you. I love it when that happens. Do you know? Because, you know, like I said, this isn't a mental health podcast. I, I talk about mental health a lot because that's part of my ongoing process of living, you know? In the same way that I might talk about going to the gym or jogging so it's not a mental health podcast but I will speak about my own and I love it when 
ye find that relatable and can apply it to yourselves. That's uh, that's just one of those things. Helps me, go, you know, it, it uh, helps me sleep at night. It's a lovely feeling. It's a nice feeling. Um, this week's podcast is going to be about uh, a particular school of psychology, and again, hopefully, what I'm going to speak about is this particular school of psychology, kind of how I used it to help myself, and then hopefully, uh, ye might take something from it too. But before I continue. I want to plug a live podcast that's coming up on the 29th of July, which is soon enough. Uh, I think it's about two weeks away. But I'm at the Vodafone fucking comedy festival. And I'm going to be interviewing a gentleman by the name of Greg Turkington, who plays a character called Neil Hamburger, who's a bit of a legendary comedian's comedian. And I get to interview him out of character. And I'm fucking really looking forward to that. And there's only about 20 or 30 tickets left. So go online and come along to that. The Blind Boy interviewing Greg Tarkington at the Vodafone Comedy Festival in the Ivy Gardens in Dublin. Alright. Um, that's my only Dublin gig this summer. But there will be more. But come along to that. The class thing about the podcast gigs is... You can come to as many as you like. Because they're all fucking different. Do you know? They're all different. And I think I've resolved as well what I'm going to do with putting out the live podcasts. I think I'll put out one a month on a Saturday in the middle of the month. I think that's what I'm going to do from now on. Okay, yart. On to the topic of today's today's podcast. I want to talk about a field of psychotherapy that has been of great help to me and continues to be of great help to me. And it's called transactional analysis, right? I've mentioned it in passing before, but it's one of the schools of psychotherapy that I would have learnt, you know, religiously. I would have studied it um, in and out many years ago as a way of understanding, understanding myself more deeply, understanding my thoughts, understanding my emotions, understanding my behaviours trying to identify we'll say problems in those thoughts emotions and behaviours and addressing them to sort out my mental health shit and I would have used transaction analysis alongside uh, cognitive behavioural therapy Freudian analysis and fucking emotional intelligence there's many many schools of psychotherapy that's the thing I like to talk about the ones that work for me personally you know they don't all work for everybody um, when I speak about psychotherapy or a, t- a specific school of psychotherapy I'm not offering it as a fucking solution what I'm saying is that this worked for me so I'm going to talk about it do you know what I'm saying might not work for you might do as well but sure what harm I'll speak about it from my personal experience and you can take it take it as you, as you want So, transaction analysis is, it's a psychoanalytic theory. Now, when you hear psychoanalytic, it means that the theory is rooted in the earlier work of Sigmund Freud. And I spoke a lot about Sigmund Freud's work on the earlier podcasts. I described Freud's model of the unconscious mind using Yorty Ahern, the otter. But transaction analysis is a, 
a much later incarnation of Freudian uh, psychoanalysis from the 60s by a fellow called Eric Byrne. And what it is, is it's a way of understanding how humans communicate with each other, okay? Now, it's, it's a bit of a complex kind of theory, so I'm going to try my best to simplify it as much as possible and make it relatable. So, here's a question to kind of ask yourself, right? Do you ever, like, do you find yourself continually repeating the same negative mistakes over and over, right? Whether it's in relationships or with your friends or in social groups or whatever, like some examples if you enter like a new group of people do you find that there's certain people that you just don't get on with and you don't know why or if you're in work or not even fucking work I don't know if you're on a soccer team and you go for training that there's a person there maybe a boss someone who's above you and no matter what you do no matter how much you try and change you always walk away from an interaction with them feeling really small and feeling really shit and it keeps repeating. Or maybe there's a person in your life and maybe you treat them like shit and then you feel guilty afterwards. You feel guilty because you're treating a friend or a family member like shit. You know you're doing it but you keep doing it. And you don't know why. It just keeps popping up. Or maybe you have a friend or a partner and your entire relationship with them is based on having massive fights and then making up and being best friends again. And that's the cycle of your friendship. And it's just really draining. It's tiring and draining, all this shit. And those are just some examples. I'm just kind of guessing that you can relate to some of them. And you kind of write it off as, sure, that's just the way I am. Or that's how that's how they are. That's how that other person is. This is just how my life is. Well, transactional analysis would suggest that no, this this isn't how they are or you are or how life is. That there's a reason why you are continually repeating behaviours that are essentially negative, even though it doesn't make sense. You know, fighting with people, walking away from interactions, feeling like shit, um, not feeling like you're standing up for yourself with a particular person and always walking away feeling small. And then that horrible frustration afterwards where you're going, I can't explain what it is they do to me. I can't explain. It's a look they give me. It's uh, a way they speak to me, whatever. But as soon as they talk to me, I walk away feeling like shit. And the part of me that had wanted to fucking put them in their place this one time, the part of me that had rehearsed it in front of the mirror last night, just didn't come up. And I'm back in the same situation again, feeling like a piece of shit. Or vice versa, you're the aggressor. And you're treating your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your ma, anyone, like a piece of shit, and then feeling guilty over it. So what I'll try and do is use transactional analysis to explain what psychology says why that shit kind of why we do that and what we can do about it and this is 
this is something I, I used massively in myself to become a, a happier, calmer, more effective person. Because all this shit, of course, all that shit, that's what feeds poor mental health. Do you know? Re- repeating negative behaviour over and over again. That's not going to help anyone with depression or anxiety. It'll feed towards it because it confirms a negative view of yourself or a negative view about the world, you know? So transactional analysis analysis posits that the bulk of our personalities essentially are developed before five years of age, right? That we now, as grown-ass human beings, no matter what fucking age you are, are operating on an operating system that you received before the age of five so throughout our day-to-day life we have what's known as three different types of ego states they're called right three different shifts in in our personalities that we're continually moving between right and these are child parent and adult your child ego state is ways that you learn to behave with other people and opinions about yourself and opinions about the world these ways of being that you learned as an actual child then you have your parent ego state these are ways of behaving understanding yourself and understanding the world that you learn from watching your parents or parent figures then the adult state is the state that you didn't learn when you were a child. That's the here and now state. That's the a, a state of... It's not influenced by childhood. It's reacting to what's happening right now in the here and now. And obviously, with transaction analysis, the goal is for you as an adult to be spending the most amount of time living your life in the adult state as much as possible. Because... We spend a fierce amount of our time in a child state or a parent state and this actually isn't very effective for our day-to-day lives and this is why we tend to have these repeated irrational behaviours in our relationships with people. I'll go further. So in a typical morning we'll say this is how it would play out in your head. So you're in your car with your buddy and you're driving along nice and happy and someone cuts in front of you so you make a a quick adjustment to your car you avoid bumping into that person you get along with your journey you've just made a rational here and now decision as an adult you're in your adult state of mind a car ran in front of you you made a decision you effectively responded to it uh, according to your safety that's the adult state of mind no surprise of course that it's easy to be an adult when you're driving a car because driving a car is not rooted in any childhood experience you learn how to drive cars when you're a fucking adult so it'd be very strange if you have a childhood experience rooted in it so after you so you're in the car you avoid the bump then you turn to the person who's in the car with you and you tut at the driver who was so foolish as to cut in front of you. You totted that driver to your buddy and you say, fucking ages, that was very silly of them. They should not have done that. Who are these people? They don't know how to drive out here. Ages. 
at that moment you've switched into your parent ego state okay you've left the here and now of the adult state and you've become critical judgmental and kind of giving out about the other driver you've switched into the parent ego state chances are when you switch into that parent ego state your physical mannerisms the way you word sentences choices of words that you use the tone of your voice more than likely mirrors a parent figure it could either be a parent or an older sibling or a teacher or whoever from early childhood you watched how they behaved as a parent and you then mimic that in your parent ego state so we started off on the car journey adult you responded to a potential accident now you're judging the other driver you've gone into parent problem is this little potential fender bender has caused you to be a little bit late for work so you drive into work you're ready to go in the front door and you're shitting your pants because you are late for work and you're terrified and you're nervous and your palms are sweaty because you're afraid now of first of all the shame of having to go into your co-workers because you're late and worrying about what they'll think will they will they taught at you and you're now especially afraid of meeting your boss and you know your body language might change you know your posture might get a bit smaller your feet might be a little bit close together you're worried about getting in trouble do you know you're thinking about I'm in your head you might even be saying to yourself oh no I'm late I'm going to get in trouble and you ready to approach the boss's office terrified worried about you know how am I going to tell him that I was late you know chances are you know if you go go in and meet the boss you won't be looking them straight into the eye you'll be looking down at the ground you'll be physically enacting childhood behaviours because psychologically you're back in school you're five years of age and you're, you're late for fucking school and that initial memory of that experience has now channeled, channeled itself into your grown body and you are unconsciously thinking physically behaving and getting ready to speak like an actual child but then your brain kicks in and it says to you no fuck it my boss is a, is a reasonable woman but like I'm gonna tell her that this fucking idiot jumped out in front of the car and it caused me to be a little bit late and she's gonna understand because what reason would I have to come in and lie it's ridiculous so I'm just gonna walk in and tell her and it'll be grand immediately you've gone right back in there to adult so you've went adult parent child adult then you go back to your fucking desk you sit down beside the person beside you and they say to you Jesus you've been late three times this fucking week what's going on and you snap at them you've gone back into child and that is how our personalities work throughout the day like I said you spent being in parent or adult tends not to be very useful for us it tends to create tension and to create discomfort so what's the point of talking about all of this you know well transaction analysis it's called transactional analysis because it analyzes human transactions right now a transaction is basically you go to the shop, you give the person money and you receive a good. That's a transaction. But in psychology, a transaction is any 
any unit of communication that happens between two humans. And this field of psychology seeks to analyse these transactions from a psychoanalytic perspective, which means rooted in childhood experiences. So, what is, we'll say, the child ego state? What are the characteristics of a child ego state? Well, there, the child ego, you know, how often in your day do you behave in, in what would be considered a childish fashion, a fashion that's, that's immature? Children behave on a very ego-driven basis that doesn't have consequences or much consideration for the boundaries or feelings of other people. So how much throughout the, your day, like, when you're criticised or threatened, and I say this as well because these, we enter these ego states of child and parent, it tends to be when conflict arises. You know, it's not when something kind of simple, it's not when we're physically kind of threatened when something dangerous happens, that's more fight or flight. But in situations where our sense of self-esteem or our identity or our face is threatened or challenged or simply when conflict is entered, it could be the tiniest bit of conflict, we enter either the, or the unhealthy child or parent ego state. So how often in your day when you're confronted with conflict of some description, how, do you respond by sulking? Right, is your response to that to sulk? Or do you throw tantrums? Do you know? Do you cry? And I'm not demonising crying because crying is healthy. But as an adult in your interactions with other people, if it's your girlfriend, if it's your boyfriend, if it's if it's your fucking ma, you know, you're 26 years of age, you have a fight with your ma and tears come out. But the tears are, and this is the weird thing, they're tears for attention. Do you punish the other person? Could be your girlfriend. Do you, If you have an argument with your girlfriend, do you punish your girlfriend by going missing? Do you leave the door? Do you slam the door, leave the house and go for a walk? But really what you're doing is punishing her with the anxiety of not knowing where you are or what you might do. And you're using as punishment the fact that she has to deal with the uncertainty of whether you're safe or not. Do you turn your phone off so they can't contact you? And in your own mind you rationalise it with, I need space. But really what you're doing is, fuck you, I know now that because you don't know where I am and you don't know what I'm going to do, you can get two hours there now really worrying about me. Do you do that as a way of resolving conflict in your life? Um, are you capable of compromising in a situation of conflict? Do you know? Can you see things from the other person's perspective or is it simply about winning? Whatever the interaction is, whatever the conflict is, the disagreement, is winning your primary concern. Are you very easily hurt by another person's opinion of you? Is that very emotionally triggering for you? Will that set off tantrums or going missing or slamming doors or punching walls? These are... That's the behaviour of a child. That's a, that's a childish ego state. And the bizarre weird thing about these things is that 
when we behave this way in an argument, unconsciously, the unconscious psychic force that's driving us to do it, it's it's not a way to win the argument. What you actually are doing, you're going right back to childhood. The other person, and it could be your fucking girlfriend or your boyfriend, unconsciously they have just become your actual parent. And what you want is their love and affection. Not, not your girlfriend or boyfriends. They have simply become an actor. Do you know what I mean? They're fucking... They're Brad Pitt playing the role of your da or Susan Sarandon playing your ma. That's what that is. And you are using them as a puppet of your parent to gain unconscious, unresolved issues of affection and acceptance from your fucking parent. And you're doing it through the puppet of your other half or your co-worker or the lad in the petrol station. That's how insane this shit is. That's how irrational the human unconscious mind is. But that's why we do it. The other thing too, while I was listing out those list of child ego state behaviours right there, and you're listening to them, and I was asking you, how often in your day do you do these things? How often today did you sulk? Did you slam a door? Did you throw a tantrum? Did you go missing? I would wager that for most of that, you were not looking at your own behaviour. Instead, you had a little eureka moment, and you were looking at someone in your life close to you, and going, they do that oh they do that oh fuck it sure she does that he does that that's what's wrong with them I knew it at that moment you have now just entered the parent ego state you didn't take responsibility for the shit that I was saying there about yourself but chances are you went judgmental and thought about someone else in your life projected it all onto them and said that's what they do and that's the parent ego state that you've just entered there. I would wager some people might have looked at themselves and their own behaviour or a bit of both. Now the parent ego state, how often in your day do you spend time as parent? And the thing is with these two, like your child state, that's that's actually how you were when you were three or four years of age. Do you know? Even you're a grown ass 26, 27 year old adult you are recreating not only the words but actual physical mannerisms that you would have had when you were that when you were that age certain ways you would clench your fist or put your hand up to your mouth you did that 25 fucking years ago and it comes back in the muscle memory when you enter one of these states that's what a psychotherapist looks out for when they have a client to if they're using transaction analysis to offer therapy to a client they will spot when a client enters a child or parent state based on their body language through recurring themes. So the parent state, what you do when you enter the parent state, you reenact speech, body movements, opinions and views of the parent figure that was around you when you were a child. It doesn't have to be your actual ma or da. 90% of the time it is, but it could be a teacher, it could be an older sibling. So... How often in your day would you maybe fold your arms and tut at somebody? When you enter conflict or disagreement with someone, do you raise your voice and speak down to them? To another adult? Are you going to raise your voice to another adult as a way to win the argument? Because that's an important thing too. Children want to win arguments. The child state wants to win arguments because it's an immature position. They can't see anything... Uh, they don't have the the child state doesn't see things from another person's point of view 
the parent state also wants to win arguments because a parent has absolute authority and it cannot allow the child to win because a parent has the authority. So how often in your day do you speak down or raise your voice to other adults? In your interactions with your significant others, your partner, your fucking family, your co-workers, are you patronising? Do you know? Do you make snide remarks as a way to gain control? Are you forceful with them? Are you authoritarian? So let's play it out in a, in a little role play. A fairly fucking toxic role play. Um, but something that would be fairly fucking common. Um, now the other thing too is there's... Within these ego states... There's two sides to them. And they're not all negative. The child for instance. You've got what's known as adaptive child. Okay within the child ego state. Adaptive child is... The needy child... Who needs to win and wants approval and everything has to be their own way. And they will be forceful and throw tantrums in order to get it. That's adaptive child. There's also free child. Free child is something we should actually be striving for. Free child is... That's the part of yourself that can achieve flow. Creative flow. That's the part of yourself that used to enjoy playing with crayons. That's the part of yourself that didn't give a fuck about what other people thought about you when you were four. Because you were four and all you give a shit about is a piece of muck that you found on the floor. That's free child. And it is healthy for us to engage with that part of ourselves. Occasionally. Because sometimes free child can walk into a room and insult someone without knowing it. I have an issue with that. I spend an awful lot of time in my free child as an artist. But... You know, I might not dress my bed or I could easily walk into Dunn's with two different shoes on. Not a bother. Do you know? Because I spend too much time in the free child trying to create. Parent has two types of parent. There's controlling parent. That's the authoritative parent who sets rules for other people and who chastises people and who is authoritarian. And then there's nurturing parent. The part of yourself that really cares for other people and nurtures them and is kind to other people but that again is not necessarily healthy all the time because you you don't really have to be that nurturing and caring and taking responsibility for another adult but if you spend a lot of your time in the nurturing parent ego state all of a sudden your boyfriend essentially becomes your child and you're washing his jocks do you get me? so here's a role play um boyfriend and girlfriend in the kitchen I'm going to be I'm going to be sexist with this um, well not sexist I'm going, to, I'm going to use traditional traditional fucking stereotypes because it's easier to understand so the girl cooks a big dinner spends all evening cooking dinner they're sitting down eating the dinner she's in her head thinking fuck me this is this is a lovely dinner now and it took a lot of fucking effort and I bet that cunt doesn't appreciate it he's taking me for granted so she blurts out and she says that took me ages now you better fucking clean the dishes afterwards he hears that and he's triggered in his head he's going I was going to clean the fucking dishes anyway who's this bitch telling me I have to do it so he blurts out fuck you I clean the fucking dishes if I want to I'm not going to be told how to clean any dishes and she goes quiet and she says you never clean the dishes you never I do all the cooking around here and you never clean the dishes and then he goes I don't give a fuck about the fucking dishes fuck you and then she goes you always turn we can't have one dinner without you turning it into an argument 
this is what's wrong with us. And then his face goes red and he gets up off the chair and he turns around and he punches the wall really hard and screams, throws a tantrum. And then she sees that and then she goes, oh, your hand, your hand. And she goes over and gives him a hug and then they're okay and she's crying and they're having a big hug. And that's, that's a toxic relationship, you know, that's, that's red flag shit, obviously. Your man's hitting walls, that's not great. But it happens. And what that is in transaction analysis is an example of, it's known as a complementary transaction, okay? Here's the thing. If someone, parent and child, ego states tend to complement each other. If we go back to the co-worker a while ago, the co-worker said, you're late for work, and then you throw a tantrum. That's because the co-worker came at you from a, a controlling parent point of view. So that is an invitation for you to respond with child. In the interaction in the kitchen between the boyfriend and the girlfriend, she, respond, she initiated the conversation from her controlling parent. She said, you better clean those dishes. His unconscious, hard controlling parent... And it probably reminded him of his ma. And that could be why they're going out with each other. That's how fucked up this is. That could be some toxic relationships that people get into. Are when two people unconsciously seek someone. Who reminds them of the part of their mother or father. That has unresolved issues of love. That can happen. Also people find themselves drawn towards other people. That remind them of the parts of themselves that they don't fully accept and then they slowly grow to resent each other. Do you get me? Like, you could find yourself attracted to someone who has the same the same fears and insecurities and flaws as you do. And initially you start off going out with each other and you go, fuck me, this person understands me so much. I've never had so much in common. But really what you have in common is a shared space of the things you don't like about yourself you feel okay about them when you're around this person who has them as well but over time that can toxically grow into you despising and hating the other person you're supposed to love because their everyday presence reminds you of everything you hate about yourself that you haven't taken ownership of but with this interaction in the kitchen I'm fucking backtracking now hold on so your one says from her parent you better clean those dishes he hears that as parent, unconsciously responds from child, fuck you, I'm not cleaning the dishes. Then she comes back with a controlling parent, um, you never clean the dishes, you can't even have a, a dinner without starting a fight. He comes back, he, he's fully in his child now, and him as a child, his way of responding to his ma or whatever was through tantrums. So he as an adult man throws a tantrum in the kitchen, and he boxes the wall, throws a child, a hugely irrational act driven by pure emotion, boxes the wall. She then switches from controlling parent, right, to nurturing parent, sees him boxing the wall and then gives him affection and nurturing because he's hurt his hand. And the crazy bizarre thing about that entire transaction and interaction it had nothing to do with dishes. It had nothing to do with making dinner. It had to do with a triggering invitation to an ego state, a childhood ego state, where basically what he wanted was 
love and affection from his ma and he toxically used his girlfriend as a puppet for that and that's what that was and she responded to it with nurturing parent and that can go on and on together forever now what's the solution in transaction analysis the solution to that is if you don't want these complementary transactions if you don't want these situations where it's your child state toxically talking to another person's parent state then the solution is the adult state the adult state is about the here and now it's not about winning or losing the adult solution to the conversation that those two people could have had is purely about dinner and dishes nothing else no winning or losing dinner and dishes it would have started off with the lad going fucking hell thanks for this dinner it is lovely it's absolutely gorgeous that must have fucking taken ages fair play to you I appreciate this and she quite friendly turns fucking th- thanks I loved making it for you um, I love making food and having you appreciate it any chance you'd do the dishes because it was a load of work and he goes don't even ask I was going to do it anyway it's grand problem over there wasn't even a problem that was an adult conversation between two people so how do we we get to that state by learning and understanding and truly analysing our own fucking behaviour and noticing when we are behaving like a child and when we are behaving like a parent and looking at aside from fucking therapy right now I'm not going to suggest to everybody here go and find a transactional analysis therapist in Ireland there's probably only about 10 of them and it's expensive but how I because I didn't go to a transactional analysis therapist I went to a bit of CBT therapy that was it but the rest of it I kind of I taught myself through reading from books Um, if you want to read a good transactional there's transaction analysis book Games People Play by Eric Byrne that's the first book on it but jotting down and journaling journaling is a great if, if you don't have access to a therapist journaling is a great way for self therapy so what I started doing when I was 18, 19 and I was looking at my own childish kind of how did mine mine would have I would have been very shy I most certainly would not have seen myself as an adult at all so I would consistently enter almost every social situation from the point of view of a toddler whether it be with friends whether it be trying to talk to girls whether it be trying to talk to college lecturers trying to go for job interviews I would consistently interact with people from the point of view of of a child I wouldn't make eye contact I'd be staring down at the ground I had very little confidence in my own opinions little confidence in myself I was consistently non-stop searching for another person to tell me what to do and to be the adult and to usher me around the place like a mother or father should do but the problem was I was 19 so people meet a 19 year old and he's behaving like a 2 year old and what you're left with there is people have a choice when they were interacting with me to either be a nurturing parent or a controlling parent so I was either having people kind of nurture me and look after me which an adult should not have are being bullied by people who saw my invitation as them as an opportunity to be controlling parent so I was very unhappy my social experiences were not pleasant 
I was at the bottom of the pile in my social group getting slagged all the time because I'm the child and their parents or I was being nurtured and having pity laid upon me mainly by the girls in the group and not necessarily in a sexual way either they were just like oh poor old blind boy rub his head the lads are being mean to him do you know what I mean and that was a very toxic social environment to me which again doesn't help the other massive mental health issues I had it was all part of a a huge system so transaction analysis was one of the things I used to improve my own confidence and self esteem I was like I am not happy consistently being in a child state how do I get to being in an adult state and here's the thing with you know what is the adult state what is the adult ego state and how do we get it well that's the internal locus of evaluation that I speak about a lot an adult is assertive right an an adult an adult can admit when they are wrong and they genuinely understand when they're being wronged like that scenario in the kitchen that lad was believed himself to be in the right over the dishes but it's like you're not the dishes need to be cleaned you should appreciate that this person's after cooking for you Uh, the girl wasn't in the right either she's got no right to be pecking at him like that and being a parent both people are wrong but they think they're being right when they're actually not an adult actually knows no I'm being wrong here I'm going to own up to it or no someone's actually trying to wrong me I need to try and put a stop to it in an assertive fashion that's what an adult does an adult is able to say no without needing to explain themselves. That is a hallmark of adult ego state. The confidence to go no. And not no followed by a but, followed by an apology. But straight up, no, I can't do that. That's what adults do. That's what gives you, I won't say power, but it gets you respect in other people's eyes. And there's a, again, there's a way to do it like a cunt. That's not the good way to do it. To genuinely, compassionately say no. Not in a confrontational way. Not like not like the way, a, like bouncers. Like a bouncer would say no, but they're not doing it in a confident way. They're doing it in a... Like the, here's the other thing as well with transaction analysis. It's possible to be in two ego states at once. And this is often how we do it. Not everyone goes around the place punching walls and throwing fucking tantrums. That's the extreme end of childish behaviour. That's the extreme end. If you do that, people who are highly antisocial, people who end up in prison, people who, you know, would have had very dysfunctional childhoods or whatever, they will consistently behave in, in the child state and express aggressive fucking tantrums that will put them in jail or put people around them in physical harm. Most of us are socialised enough to not express our child ego state in that way. So usually what happens is that the child can express itself through parent. It's still bypassing adult. Now how does this happen? Passive aggression. What is passive aggression? Passive aggression is you have an interaction with your friend. You have a big argument. So what you do is you decide, no, I'm not talking to him. Not, I'm not talking to him. And the way you speak about it and rationalise it to yourself 
sounds very adult. What you're saying to yourself is, no, that's all I can do with them now. They said this to me. Um, I'm not speaking to them. I'm not texting them. I'm blanking them. I'm too good for them. I'm not stooping to their level. And these are the words you're using. But actually what's happening there is... Because you understand it's socially unacceptable to go straight out child, smash something on the ground or hit him a slap, what you do instead is the child motivates parental behaviour in you. So your child is saying, fuck them, how dare they, they've hurt me, now I must hurt them. That's what your child is saying unconsciously. This unconscious motivation is then informing your behaviour through your parent ego state, through such words and actions as, no, I'm being the mature one now, I'm going to be the mature one, and I'm not going to text them, and if they try and ring me, they can sing for it, I'm done with them, I'm washing my hands, I've tried all my best. But really what you're doing is, you're just punishing the other person, you're actually trying to get that person to feel hurt you're trying to get them to a fantasy in your head where you're trying to go they'll appreciate me now that I'm gone this type of stuff you might as well hit them a headbutt or you might as well jump up on the ground stamping your feet but you've rationalised it in your own head that it's adult behaviour it's not your child is just motivating your parent because it's more socially acceptable than slapping them into the face. And that's often how childish behaviour presents itself. If that lad had, um, you know, more control over his toxicity and he's not, the, he's the type of lad who won't punch a wall, instead what he'll do is he'll go fuck that and he'll go off for a lot of pints with the lads and allow his girlfriend sit at home thinking that he might be out cheating on her. That's that's passive aggression. Punching the wall or punching her, that's the extreme toxicity. Do you get me? There's another thing within transactional analysis called, fuck it man, I'm 50 minutes into this now, that's a big old fucking rant and I wanted to do some more shit. Another thing within transactional analysis is what's known as life scripts. And this is a really weird one. So... Transaction analysis posits that we have deeply held beliefs about ourselves and about life that we formed from a very, very young age and we don't question these beliefs. We take them as completely the truth. You know, at the start of this podcast, I said, do you continually repeat negative patterns in your life and you can't seem to stop repeating them, and they keep coming back on themselves in these negative situations that only bring you pain with other people, and you just say to yourself, I guess that's just the way I am. Well, transaction analysis would say, no, that's you may have a certain life script which you have simply chosen not to challenge because you take it as normal, as, as granted. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you learnt it so young. Um... Like, how do I explain it? Like, think of something like EastEnders, right? A long-running uh, drama or comedy. So EastEnders, that's been going since the 60s. You've characters in EastEnders that are... They've been on screen for maybe 25 years, okay? Now, the actor doesn't write that fucking character. A team of writers writes that character. But however, 
throughout that 25 years of that character being on EastEnders on television, throughout that 25 years, elements of that character are consistent throughout. If they're an angry person, this fucking script writers who may change every two years have a template for, I know you're a new script writer, but this is how this character behaves. This character is an angry character. This character had a troubled childhood. This character likes flashy things. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's all these different characters. That's kind of how... It's like, in our own minds, we've written a very simple script for ourselves that our internal writer consistently follows in every situation and will unconsciously engineer situations in our life to suit this script that we have. A core part of transaction analysis in therapy is through the adult state to find and understand what our life script is, our personal script is, that we probably learned from our parents or from early experiences, to find out what that script is and to challenge it against reality and ask ourselves, is it accurate? Do we need it? And how has it affected my life? So again, because this is a psychoanalytic theory, transaction analysis would basically say that you've written your, your, own, your own life story you've already written it and you began writing it as soon as you were born and you had the bones of it by the time you were about five then you got to seven or eight you started to flesh out the main kind of details of the story and you continued on into early adolescence but you have whether you know it or not you have a story about life and there's loads of different characters in it and it's your life and different characters of how they are and how they should be and it has a start a beginning and an end and it isn't objective reality it is a way a a rigid way of seeing the world and seeing yourself and how things should be and how other people's are that is not actually based in objective reality it is tarnished by the type of childhood you had and let's just say you had a particularly critical parent how is your script going to turn out then you know what is your script if you had a parent who told you to be perfect all the time chances are you have a view of yourself and the world that you must be perfect all the time and that your life has to be perfect and it is going to be perfect and there's other people getting in the way of it being perfect and if, and if it's not perfect, then you have this continual sense of failing and being unhappy and not being good enough. Because the, the, the actors in your play aren't reading their lines, if you get me. You know, ask yourself later with a pen and paper. Like, what's the title of your story? And I don't mean everything that's happened so far. Your opinion on what life is. What's your story? Who are you? Is it a happy story or a sad story? Is there triumph in it? Is it tragic? Is it boring? Or is it interesting? You know, just try and write it down in a few sentences. See what you fucking find. Like, you have an unconscious life plan. 
and it tends to creep up in certain when you're presented with challenges do you know whenever you kind of whenever you back away from something you know some like some people get job offers and they just don't turn up for the interview that's common a job offer comes along and they don't turn up for the interview and their conscious mind tells them I had a sick stomach that day or I couldn't face it or whatever but deep in your unconscious what, what, what are the words that come up you know what words when you don't go for that job the answer is your script does that mean you have a script that says you, you won't succeed you can't succeed and it, that if you were to go for this job and to get it th- the stress of that challenging this life script that you've written for yourself would be too much so you choose instead to follow the script into a self-fulfilling prophecy and don't turn up for the job. Some people, you know, depending on their parents' relationship, if they, you know, if, if they grew up in a house where their parents didn't love each other or didn't talk to each other and they learned that human interaction is that way, your script can be, there's no such thing as actual love. Because you didn't see it when you were a kid. You saw two parents who shouldn't have been together and should have broken up years ago, but instead communicated it through silence or passive aggression or fighting. And then any chance you have to meet somebody and truly love them, you push them away. Because it challenges an unconscious script in your head that there is no such thing as love. I've never seen it. Uh, Human couples are supposed to fight. That's one possible script, you know. Now, these scripts as well, they're entirely outside of conscious awareness. They are deep, deep ingrained in the unconscious mind. They they are unconscious pangs that motivate our behaviour, but we don't know why. And the tragic thing about negative scripts is... What transaction analysis says is that what our unconscious is continually looking for is the payoff... If your script has a payoff, such as I am unlovable or love does not exist, then like the character in EastEnders, you will unconsciously steer your life in the direction whereby that payoff takes supremacy. You will steer situations to confirm the payoff of I am not lovable or I, 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 uh, a script I am second best I will never be number one I'll always be second best do you know or a script that says I mean Jesus you could have grown up with a a parent in the fucking 80s who your dad or your man never had a job and continually tried to get a job and the discourse around the house was continually your parents freaking out about not having the right job or whatever you picked up on that and you picked up, you wrote your script as I cannot be successful because you didn't see success. So when opportunities for success arise, you can unconsciously steer yourself away from them. Scripts tend to be reinforced by, at an early age, by parents. And the beauty of this theory as well is that like, you know, a few podcasts back I spoke about 
the theories of Carl Rogers. With psychotherapy, you can mix and match different kind of therapies and, and they all complement each other. This script business, it echoes Carl Rogers' real and ideal self because I've listed out some quite negative scripts there, you know, and not everybody would have a negative script. What if you grew up in a fucking house where your parents absolutely love the bones of each other? Do you know, they really, truly love each other. So you have a script then that says, I must find true love like my parents had. And then every relationship or partner you try and find, it never lives up to it. So you keep pushing them away. What if you had incredibly positive, uh, successful parents? So your script becomes, I am going to become successful. I must be successful. But then you don't reach it because it's an unrealistic goal. So you're continually feeling disappointment and letting yourself down. So positive and negative scripts, it's not how positive and negative they are, that's the issue. It's how realistic are they with actual lived reality. They're generally not, because reality is arbitrary. Transaction analysis would also say that, and this is the shitty thing, the, the more stressed, the more stress we are under, the more likely we are to respond to that stress by trying to live out our script rather than responding as an adult in the here and now flexibly the most basic life scripts in TA are broken down into as follows right one script could be I'm not okay you're okay a person with that script is they push people away believe themselves to be fundamentally flawed but other people are grand so they push people away they're like no I'm the problem I'm fucked up get the fuck away from me in every single situation people with a script like this can suffer from blaming themselves a lot uh, placing a lot of shame on themselves looking at other people as being a lot better than them and continually seeing themselves as the issue in whatever goes wrong so then another script is, I'm okay, you're not okay. This is people who, they push other people away for a different reason. They push people away with anger. They're suspicious of other people. They believe other people to be fundamentally untrustworthy, out to get them. Other people are consistently wrong or broken. People who are, I'm okay, you're not okay, they tend to struggle a lot with blame. They blame other people a lot, quite angry with the world, and can have a kind of a, a lonely superiority, if you get me. Another script is, I'm not okay, you're not okay. This one is particularly damaging. It's, it's people who believe, I'm not okay, you're not okay, can truly struggle with feelings of extreme hopelessness when a stressful situation presents itself or a situation in life presents itself there's no point they give up easily they don't see goodness in themselves or goodness in other people it's the rarest of the scripts but it's particularly destructive now here's the thing 
these life scripts, we form them at a young age. Because it's getting a bit fucking... It's getting dark now. I'm talking some dark shit. The human psyche is dark. But here's the thing. As fucking adults, and this is the beauty of it, through something like transaction analysis, when we can identify honestly and truly, and it takes time, and like I said, journaling is a good way to do it. When you can identify what your script is, you can throw it in the fucking bin. Takes a lot of work, but it is just a script. Up to this point, it may have been, you know, truly driving, unconsciously driving your motivations and interactions with other people. But you can rewrite that script as an adult because it is not based in reality. Your script is bullshit. Even though emotionally it feels real, it's not true. So the adult script, the, the, the rewrite of the toxic script is I'm okay, you're okay. That's the goal. That's the script that we should all have. That is the one that's based in reality. I'm grand. I'm an adult. I'm going to deal with things in the here and now. I have intrinsic value. You're the exact same. I'm no better than anybody else. Nobody else is better than me. Because we both have equal intrinsic value. And that can't be taken away from us. And... Everything else is simply our behavior and our aspects of our def- behavior, no matter how good they are, no matter how bad they are, cannot define our worth as human beings or my worth or your worth. I'm okay, you're okay. That's the goal, to truly switch your life script to that, which means that you're interacting with the world in a fresh flexible here and now fashion when conflicts present themselves you deal with them in the here and now with the actual issues that's happening you don't bring childhood baggage to it you don't look at your life and say I'm the type of person who just doesn't succeed or I'm the type of person who has to be strong in the face of resilience it's like no you're not any type of fucking person you're you and you're allowed to change and you're allowed to be flexible and move within all of this as part of the beautiful chaotic tapestry of life which you can respond to every day you respond to it nothing's predetermined you respond to challenges do you get me? so that there was fucking transactional analysis I could have done two podcasts on that um to be honest, I haven't read into transaction analysis properly in a good few fucking years, so a lot of that, I, like I'd done my basic notes, but a lot of that was coming back to me as I was talking to you, and um, yeah, fuck it, I must go back and read my, my books. Uh, Games People Play by Eric Byrne is a classic one, and also there's a lovely book called TA Today by Ian Stewart and Van Jones. That's a good one. Um, I hope you took something from that. Uh, transaction analysis was a very powerful tool for me to really confront some dark shit in myself that was causing me to live an unhappy life when I was a young fella. And like I said, I used transaction analysis, cognitive behavioural therapy, Freudian psychoanalysis, 
uh, emotional intelligence. I delved into all the different psychotherapies to understand myself and take things from them to become, to go from being completely agoraphobic, suffering from very bad depression, very bad anxiety, almost suicidal, to being the best version of myself and being happy. And these are the tools that I used. They mightn't work for you. And I'm not prescribing them as a solution because everybody's fucking different. But it worked for me. That's the approach that worked for me and I'm lucky that way. So, great if you take something from it. That'd be class, wouldn't it? But I'm not prescribing it as a an end-all solution. Um, and if there's part of you thinking too, like... Because it's true. Like, aspects... You know, I was saying there that, you know, if you behave in the child ego state or the parent ego state these are unhelpful things for life and you could say to me what about someone like Trump or what about anyone in power like Trump is a giant aggressive child and it's true you know you can live your life in these ego states and really bully people Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is an advertisement for better help. I have frequently attended therapy for the past 20 years when I experience anxiety or depression or when I have difficulty naming and labelling my emotions, identifying my emotions. I often seek the help of a professional therapist to improve my emotional literacy. I've attended therapy in person and I've attended therapy online. If online therapy is something you might be interested in, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you gotta do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So give it a go. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash blindby today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash blindby. And get what you want through force. You can do this and it might bring you money, it might bring you power but you, I guarantee you, you will not be content and happy. And sure what's life if you don't have content and happiness? It can only bring you pleasure you know like a load of money and power will bring you pleasure it'll bring you cars food all the bures in the world that you want but that's pleasure 
pleasure pleasure does not equate to happiness do you know if pleasure equated to happiness rich famous people wouldn't suffer from fucking mental health problems or addiction problems and it's quite clear that a lot of rich famous people have got mental health and addiction problems that's evident this is why it doesn't bring happiness happiness is not something like I said not something that can be attained it is a something that you experience by truly understanding yourself your own emotions and trying to live as much of your life as possible in the here and now present moment if you can and internal locus of evaluation you know getting your value comes from who you are on the inside not placing too much negative and positive value on aspects of your behavior because that's a recipe for unhappiness and what else when it comes to achievements trying to focus most of your energy on the process rather than the end result focusing on the end result and expecting happiness at the end is a perpetual recipe for disappointment but truly enjoying the process is what brings happiness in the here and now and life contains inevitable pain that you know nothing about you must accept the pain but you do have choice and control over how you react to that pain I'm going to answer a few questions soon because I've been chatting for a long time there fuck me that's the longest rant I've ever done on this podcast Um, I don't even know if I'll have time to answer questions will I Um, a lot of people have been asking me to speak about Jordan Peterson this week because he just gave a giant talk in Dublin I've had about 20 requests what are your opinions on Jordan Peterson Um, that last hour that you listened to there do you know all I did there was I spoke about the field of, of psychology and psychotherapy do you know in order to explain how I helped myself and how I can help other people that's what Jordan Peterson does he is you know a, a, an expert in the field of clinical psychology but I managed to speak there for 60 minutes about self-help and psychology without being transphobic or giving out about feminists and I would love it if Jordan Peterson was able to do the same because I, I, I do like listening to him when he's talking about psychology because he's an expert in his field but the other shit his opinions on postmodernism, you know fucking socialism I think that's not for the pinch of salt do you know what I mean but at the same time I'm not I wouldn't write him off completely when he talks about psychology he knows his shit that's his he's an expert in the field and he's a good storyteller okay time for the ocarina pause I had someone say to me this week, you don't have to keep explaining what the ocarina pause is, or you don't even have to keep doing it, we know it. I do have to keep doing the ocarina pause. The ocarina pause is when uh, Acast inserts a digital advert, so what I do is I play my ocarina. It acts as a buffer. I don't want you listening to the podcast and all of a sudden some big loud advert comes in advertising the British Army. If you do hear it, I want to give you a bit of a warning to expect a loud advert may come in. So I use the Spanish clay whistle, the ocarina, to do this. Here we go. That was the ocarina. Um, 
support for this podcast comes from you, you dirty cunts, the listener. I have very occasional sponsorship, but the main support for this podcast and what keeps it going out regular and for me to be able to treat it like an actual job is the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the blind boy podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and liked it and was like, I like that so much. I'd buy Blind Boy a pint or a cup of coffee once a month. If you feel that way, please do. You can do it. Because this podcast is free. I put it out for free. Five hours of content a month, completely for free. And anyone can listen to it. But if you're like, I'll give him a few quid. Please do. I really welcome that. It makes a massive difference to my life. So go to patreon.com forward slash the Blind Boy podcast. And if you want to continue listening for free, that's grand. Um, also as well, like the podcast, subscribe to it, and recommend it to a friend, especially if you're not living in Ireland, so we can have it grow like a cunt. Okay, well I answer a couple of questions. It's pure late here, because I was busy. It's very, very late. It's four in the morning. No, fuck it, I'm not answering questions this week, because that was too long a rant. And I wouldn't mind going to bed. But uh, I'll tell you what I will be doing. I went on to Patreon today to ask for some questions. So I've got a bunch of new questions. But I also, I said to Patreon, a lot of people have been requesting like an agony ant type thing. Where they can send me anonymous, we'll say, situations in their life that they'd like me to discuss. They can send them to me and I will anonymously discuss them on the podcast. So there's two ways to do it. You can direct message me on Twitter, direct message me on Patreon. I will provide you anonymity if it's an agony ant thing. If you want proper true anonymity, I just thought this evening, the best way is through Snapchat. Because most people on Snapchat are as good as anonymous anyway. They have city names. It's not like their profile photo or whatever. So we're on Snapchat rubber bandits one right all lowercase and the digit one the numeral rubber bandits one so you can snapchat me a text of whatever agony and shit or problem you might have in your life or situation text it to me on snapchat i won't know who you are and even if you tell me i won't say your name and i can discuss it if that's what you would like otherwise just dm me on twitter or on patreon or whatever Yart, go in peace. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you thought of this week's podcast. And I hope I did it justice because it's a very complicated... Transaction analysis is actually quite complicated. And in order for that kind of rant to be fully effective, I should have done it with like a PowerPoint and diagrams. That's the best way to describe the different ego states. So I hope it translated and worked. And that ye experience that is helpful go in peace have a lovely lovely week and i'm going to be back to you the same time next week you absolute shower of goals
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 